Welcome to Respawning Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. I'm Holden Chris Adams Depardo. I'm here with... Chad Michaelinis. And you're you, and that's why we love you. We have a fuck ton of stuff to talk about this week. There's a lot. There's financial shit out the wazoo. Everyone's got <laughs> the monies to talk about. Very exciting stuff. We're talking about coronavirus a little bit. Talking about oh, some yeah. more uh, Resident <laughs> Evil 8 <laughs> rumors. And, and, and Chad's favorite. We're going to discuss Animal Crossing for like a little bit. Oh, you know, I'll, t- I'll take Animal Crossing over the Atari VCS any day. Well, we're talking about Atari as well. But not so. the VCS. If it comes up, then I'm killing you. <laughs> Thank God we're not in the same room right now. Anyway, Chad, before we get to all of that fun stuff, what have you been playing this week? Holden... Thank you for asking. You're so kind. Has anyone oh. ever bought you a cookie? Never. I'm going to buy you a cookie Not one day. Once. I played four things this week. Oh, I just put my cold hand on my warm body. Oh! I played... <laughs> <laughs> I played... Uh, starting out with Firewall Zero Hour. This was our game night game this week. If you are a patron at patreon.com slash respawn aim fire, you can donate a dollar. It's not a donation. It's a pledge. It's a pledge. You can pledge a dollar or more and uh, play along with us on game nights each week. This one was... This one a- I wish I could have played with you guys. I don't have VR. Nor, like, a place to really play VR. Like, yeah. it wouldn't work for me. Um, but I'm really curious about this one. How was it? Oh, we had a blast. Uh, we had... So it was four of us. It was Matt, Dallas, myself, and Joel. And... Um, we actually we ended up playing it the week before it went free on PlayStation Plus because I tweeted Dallas about it and then he responded was like, "Oh yeah, I already have it." And then Matt's like, "I also already have it." And Joel's like, "I also already have it." And I was like, "Let's play." So, uh <laughs> it was just as for hopefully the next time we play we'll have more people like uh Alex wanted to play in, but he's like, "Hey, it's going to be free next week. I'm going to wait." I'm like, "That's cool." So, we played it is it is uh Rainbow Six Siege just in VR. It is really, really cool. We, I think all of us had a PlayStation aim controller. You can play with the aim controller, which is like the gun, uh, or you can play with the DualShock. And they say in the tip section of the game, like they've balanced it so that no matter what you're playing with, it, the control is equal. Uh, but it's a really dope game. There, there are so many really cool things that, like in Rainbow Six Siege, like you know, you have the peak mechanic where you can hold aim and then kind of peek by hitting the yeah, yeah yeah dallas is like you can just do it naturally right dallas asks, hey is there a how do i how do i like peek around a corner and it's like move your body you just gotta literally <laughs> peek your head around the corner it's so cool and be i able found to, like, that a lot while doing vr demos where like people would ask questions like that because they're used to in games having to do something but it's like no no no, no. this is like all or all natural oh all natural like them smelly people who use crystals instead of deodorant they just rub crystals on their they body. They do. That That's a thing. thing. That's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> and I'm not judging. But yeah, we had a blast. It was so much fun. Every single round is just hack a computer. It was attackers and defenders. Sirens are on my end. Uh, there's a You have to go in, hack the computer, and then keep it hacked for like 60 seconds or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, but essentially, that like most exactly Rainbow Six like Siege, yeah, essentially just like Rainbow Six Siege, it just turns into a death match, and then occasionally mm-hmm. someone might actually get to hacking the computer. <laughs> we played maybe a good five or six games in a row, just getting slaughtered. Not a single win. 
We were like really upset because you can't up you can't upgrade your weapons, you can't upgrade your operator and add extra skills and stuff like that until you're level four. But you have to play it in order to get level four. And then we were just against a group that I guess was so familiar with the game and they knew all the maps. There's a um, when you start as an attacking group, you have to find you have to like locate the laptop. In Siege, you do that by like running cameras everywhere. In Firewall Zero Hour, you do that by finding uh, one of two outlets somewhere on the map where you can hack into it and it will read the network and find out where the computer is. And they would always, like, the round would start and within, like, 10 seconds, like, they've located the computer. Like, fuck, they knew exactly where those outlets were going to be. And we were just getting slaughtered. And it got to the point where it was like, all right, guys, three games. We play three rounds. If we don't win a single one, let's quit and play Siege. And everyone was like, yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Dallas had texted me, and he's like, hey, I don't know how VR like, shooter's going to be. If I get nauseous, are you going to be around to play Siege still tonight? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Just let me know. We'll play some Siege. And I get a text from him saying, hey, so we've lost like every single <laughs> round. I think we're going to stop. We're going to do one more, but basically just get ready to play Siege. And I was waiting and waiting, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go to bed. And I guess you guys had just started winning nonstop. We did. So. We did. There was yeah. one, the first <laughs> round, we were in like this... this uh, really sandy desert storm type area and joel took out every single bad guy by himself all of us were dead and he was just running there, god 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 there's a video posted that we Damn. retweeted on our our twitter he's um, no longer brendan fraser he's rambo now, now he's rambo right it was freaking great we we're like yeah yeah we won and then we just kept playing from there and <laughs> won round after round after round after i think we literally won like five of them straight i had a round where i killed every single person on there got a trophy for it oh um but it's a ton of fun and like the novelty of it being in vr is something that just like i was constantly just like giggling oh my that's so cool or uh, planting a motion sensor throwing a grenade or shit like that like stabbing a guy (laughs) like in vr is so fun i love pretending to kill people But it's really. Remember when you got mad at me for saying I wanted to play Hitman in VR? You're like, that's murder. And I was saying, I, I just can't wait to stab someone in VR. It was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was really cool to be able to, especially using the aim controller to like lift your gun up. And then you've got to like angle it and tilt it just the right mm-hmm. way in order to line up the sights and the laser on the sight. And then just peeking around and jump back. You can literally like. Crouch in real life, or there is a crouch button, but I didn't discover that until halfway through. But I was, yeah, I was just crouching in real life to hide behind <laughs> stuff. It was a really dope game. We had a blast. Uh, as now that it's free to play for the month of February for PlayStation Plus, we're gonna. I'm sure next time we play, there's gonna be a bunch of noobs on there. We're just gonna sweep the floor with them. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> so, um, and sorry if you already brought this up and I just like missed it. I had asked Matt about his experience with this, and I wanted to get, hear your experience as well. One, like, just, like, without playing it, just, like, one concern I would have about hearing about a VR online shooter is lag. Because lag could have a huge impact on you feeling nauseous and uncomfortable. Matt said it wasn't a problem. Did you have the same, like, totally fine? Props to those developers. That's really impressive. Yeah. Because that really could have ruined the experience. And lag is something that happens in online shooters. It's good for them. Yeah. Good work. I played three other things. One I'll mention real quick, there's a new uh, free song pack for Beat Saber from an EDM. You might know this person, an EDM artist named Camellia. Nope. Heard no, of apparently they're like this really I listen artist. to a lot of like really obscure house music though. Like I literally just go off of suggestions of already obscure like house producers. So like gotcha. I don't even really know who like the big players are. Gotcha. 
Uh, the hardest songs to date in Beat Saber. I always start every single new song, every time they release something new, I say, all right, I'm going to go in there. I'm just going to play it on expert once and just finish it. That's my goal is always just finish it. If I get an A or an S rank, yeah. great, which I usually do. And I go in and start the song, 30 seconds in, fail. 30 seconds in, fail. I'm like, all right, I'll just go to the next one. 30 seconds in, fail. Every single song is like, holy shit, these are the fastest songs. There are so many notes. And so it's like, okay, maybe I'll just play it on hard at faster speed. That way there are fewer notes, but it still had the challenge of being, and it was failing one after another on that as well. I was like, damn it. But... It's also some of the funnest, like there's a song called Ghost on there that kind of sounds like this really dope cathedral Castlevania type, like there's a, the, an organ mm-hmm. playing, the whole, it sounds like Castlevania, something you would hear in that, and I was like, this is a fucking yeah. cool song. So playing through that, I ended up playing on hard, just regular, and beat all the songs, and then I was like, alright, what if I play you on- You beat them though, you didn't just like get a high rank, you only beat it? Hard, regular, S rank. On all okay. the songs, good. But hard is Brad, hard is literally like baby, like baby difficulty for me. If I play something on hard, <laughs> it's because I'm showing somebody how to play the game. This is a job interview. Brag, boast about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what if I play it on expert, but reduce the like do the slower speed because you can do that with just take a hit to your score. Nope, nope. And what's so? And I was like, I'm gonna do that ghost song because I, I like the song. I'm, I'm into it, and so if, even if I fail, I'm still having fun. And I get four minutes into this, like, six-minute and ten-second song, which now on slow is, like, actually eight minutes or nine minutes or something like that. And that's what I really wanted to bring this up because it was it has that Dark Souls risk-reward to it where I'm playing, I'm on expert, I'm on slow song, and I can get through, like, seven minutes of this now nine-minute song, and I'm like... Oh shit, I've come so far, and if I mess up now, then I have to go back and do all these seven minutes again. So you, for the last little bit of that song, you're just like, oh god, oh god, don't mess up. Fuck, I missed a note! Fuck, I missed a note! And then, so it's, it is, it has that amazing, like, after you finally beat something, it's just like, oh, feels so good. You get a little bit of a heart erection like we were doing in the, uh, in the raids in Destiny. It was great. Uppercase penises. <laughs> yes, uppercase penises. Uh, two more things. One, Pokemon Go. They added a new battle league this week, which is a Ooh. revamp to the whole battle system. Um, and now there's this thing where you can just, at any time, you can randomly battle anyone across, like random people across the world in battle leagues. And you do it in sets of five. And you, of those five battles, you are, the number of battles that you win within that five grants you increasingly better rewards. So if you just win one of the five matches, yeah. you get like a couple berries. But if you win all five of five matches, you might get rare candies. So it's like, oh, that's a really cool little system. And you no longer have to be like right next to somebody in real life to battle them. So uh, I found myself getting slowly addicted to this thing because they have regular basic that you can do five times and they have a premium version that like if you have what were before known as uh premium raid passes i didn't ever fucking use those and i just kept accumulating i had like 30 of them they're now battle passes and you can use them once for a five round thing and um what i love about it is that for the first time in pokemon go i feel like there's so much strategy involved in battling pokemon before it was just like you pick a couple of your songs, Pokemon, and just tap on the screen forever. Maybe swipe to dodge an attack. And it was now it's like, 
oh fuck there are articles on articles i'm like the best pokemon part of it is that right now you can only battle in great league which means only pokemon who are 1500 cp or lower so you can't use your best people you have to use middle of the road people and if they're too strong they can't fight mm-hmm. so Interesting. there okay. are like right now there are so many articles out there like the best mediocre pokemon to use and you're like all right <laughs> so everyone's gonna use skarmory and then you got to counter that with somebody so it is such a cool like and then figuring out when do i use my shield because you get two shields that will basically null any of their charge attacks and it is so satisfying and, and like mentally simulating to sit there and fight rather than what used to be just tap 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 so i've gotten up to fight and and part of the rewards is if you defeat enough people you get the chance to catch pokemon who are not normally found around the area some of them i've never even seen before or might be exclusive to just battle arena so it's like that's cool i have those encounters that are what do you mean like just to clarify do you mean like um i think mr mime is only in europe and like no 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 not like that but like okay. just pokemon that are kind of hard to find maybe in your area okay. like they're just generally hard to find but still in your region right exactly okay so yeah i've been having a blast with that i woke up this morning and uh got up at about eight thirty. And then after battling a lot, it was about 9.45, and I was like, fuck, did I just play Pokemon Go for almost an hour in my bed? It was surprising. I believe it. But what's also cool about it is that... you love that game. I do. It's great. What's also cool about it is that you can't just battle endlessly. Even the basic, Mm -hmm. like, you don't need a raid pass or a battle pass to play it. You can only battle once, and then you have to walk uh, five kilometers in order to battle again. So it's like you have to get out and walk around. After you've walked two kilometers, you can spend some coins in order to get the other three out of the way. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's a, that was a really cool mechanic that kind of like keeps you from doing too much. It's great. Yeah. Cool stuff. Having a blast. And then finally, last game, because I know we have a lot of news and stories to get to today. Speaking of finally. <laughs> I know, right? I finally got to The Surge 2. And I've put about five or six hours into it now. And ooh, it scratches that Dark Souls itch. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I feel like a crack addict who's just picking at his wounds on his elbow. It's, uh, so good. They've made a number of improvements. It, it plays a lot like the Surge 1, which is great. I had a blast with that. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the Surge is basically Dark Souls in a sci-fi universe. So um, the shtick or the, the kind of cool thing about it, though, is the way that you get new weapons or armor pieces is by killing people who have those specifically if like i'm fighting an enemy and like oh man that enemy has a really cool helmet then i have to not only lock onto him but use the right stick to target his helmet specifically so that i have the option to cut off his head and seal his helmet or if i like the weapon i've got to target his right arm do a bunch of damage to his right arm and then cut off his arm so there's still all of the mechanics in there which are really cool there's a ton of new types of weapons which are fun uh but there are a lot of like cool improvements to it they've done the bloodborne improvement you know how bloodborne there's the like if you get hit there's the encouragement to actually keep fighting rather yeah. than run away in order to gain some yep. of that life back in this the way uh, you used to have um injections in surge one they you still have them in mm-hmm. surge two but it used to be just like a finite thing like you have three injections until you go back to the med bay and heal but now the more you attack you build up an energy bar and you can you can sacrifice some of that energy to give you another injection. So if you're low oh, on that's health... A, that's a cool idea. Yeah, fight, fight, fight. Bank that as an injection. Heal yourself. So it gives you that other mechanic of like urging you to fight and, and encouraging you to do that. Um, they also added um, loadouts. 
So there were some times when I would be in Surge 1 fighting a boss. I'm like, man, this boss is so much faster than everything else that I've fought so far in this area. So I need to switch my weapon to a fast weapon. I need to switch my armor to something that allows me more mobility. And rather, and I have to switch up my my mods and things like that. And rather than having to actually go through and unequip things and reequip and remember what I had, you can just have three different loadouts that you can swap through on, on the fly, which is pretty cool. Um, and then uh, finally, it's just the shtick of this whole game, which is the same as it was that has roped me back in, is that that delicate dance that you dance of, I have X number of energy slots. And if I want really powerful armor, that's going to take up all those slots. I'm not going to have room for a powerful weapon or powerful mods. Or if I want these really cool powerful mods that allow me more health injectables and the ability to see my enemy's health bar or proactively block things, then I have to wear weaker armor. Or I can spend a bunch of scrap to level up so I can do both, but then I can't level up my armor and use my scrap to make my weapon stronger. So it's like figuring out what you want to use all your resources for, and it's like a really cool like advancement puzzle or like progression puzzle which is really great but i'm i'm very much into it and i'm as soon as we get off of this podcast i'm going to go play some more of that <laughs> it sounds like a lot of quality life of improvements mm-hmm. which i think is all it needed because the first game was very very good yeah you only didn't finish it it's a shame you didn't finish very it close. you dummy yeah i got very close but i didn't finish it um is the story do i have to finish the surge one just kidding i know you don't have to i don't remember much of the story of the surge one but they are alluding to a lot of it but it's like it's stuff that they fill in the gaps enough that you don't have to worry about it. As a Souls-like game, it's not the most important part of the game, I can imagine. Although, there is definitely in this game more of a concentration on characters, and, like, there are there are people in this game who I'm like, oh, I know who Brother Eli is, and he's enough of a character that, I, that I'm going to remember him. Versus the other oh, game, cool. it was like, there were, like, two or three people and didn't give a shit about any of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. It's a great little thing. <laughs> oh and my character this um, one has a character creator you're not just playing as warren from the first one uh but this one has a character creator and they all look hideous as fuck all the presets all the different <laughs> things they're so <laughs> ugly but i'm playing as pink i gave her like the short pink haircut and all, she's she looks like pink the artist oh i should be no pink i thought you meant like, who in real life like is very pink. attractive but in this game is like a, a horrid play-doh version of pink <laughs> You have to clarify in case Pink is listening to this podcast. Just in case. Yeah. I also played a Soulsborne game this week. What'd you play? Uh, Sekiro. Shocker. I played more Sekiro this week. Wow, it's And one other thing as well. Um, Yeah, so last week I said I was on the final boss. And I was going to try to beat the final boss. And final boss is really, 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 really hard. (laughs) So I decided I'm going to replay the whole game again. And get the final boss again. (laughs) But here's the thing that I'm finding is that it goes by so much faster when you know what you're doing. I can blow through bosses in like 30 seconds to a minute at this point. Oh, wow. Because once you understand the deflecting and how important deflecting is, some bosses get really easy. And at this point now where I'm like, I think that like going back and playing Bloodborne and Dark Souls a little bit in the prior week, those games are still fucking hard when I'm playing them. But Sekiro feels easier than... Dark Souls and Bloodborne now because I feel like I got that combat down and it feels more like a rhythmic dance than anything like the rhythm of the swords you know clashing against each other feel the beat Um, of the rhythm of the swords dance until the morning light I I think that like the most satisfying thing in this game is just getting that perfect deflect 
it is so goddamn satisfying when you see like the cling of the sword like the the spark is like golden instead of the like kind of usual duller color it is oh man that sound it makes so good that uppercase penis um (laughs) uppercase penis all (laughs) over that game Uh, so yeah i'm just like even if i'm at this point like even if i don't finish this game i think this is from software's best game there's so many things that i'm noticing and how they continue to make the game feel a lot more challenging than it really is but once you like learn to break your habits it becomes easier so like an example is like how they lay out the bosses where you'll fight one boss where deflecting and getting up in their face um and and attacking them when they're not attacking you anymore is important and just keeping the swords clashing the entire time like a jinichiro kind of the first like major like test of skills boss that is something that you have to do is deflect when possible. When you're not having to deflect, get in his fucking face. Don't back up. Uh, the, the joke on the subreddit for Sekiro, which you're now following, is hesitation is defeat. Because uh, you can't hesitate. This, you know, you can't do it. But then the boss you fight after him, depending on which way you go, is the giant ape. Where you do not want to get in the ape's face. You can't do it. If you do, you're done. It's about keeping distance going in when you can uh, make an attack it's a little bit more like a bloodborne uh, attack but then after that boss you fight the corrupted monk who is again much more of a deflect get in his face it seems like you don't want to but you have to so it's constantly going back and forth between changing up how you have to approach situations but it's always in this like familiar way where it's not necessarily you have to learn something brand new you hadn't learned before it's like you have to remind yourself of what you're capable of it's really cool like to see that as i'm going through the game kind of knowing what to expect and i can see why a lot of people would say oh my god this is infinitely harder than Sekiro because i i, I mean then uh, other uh, soulsborne games because i was kind of like in that ballpark too but i'm like no this is totally achievable you just have to learn how to break your habits i still haven't figured out how to do the final boss because he's like a culmination of every boss did you actually get back to him Uh, again um so this is another thing i'm getting to is i got to the uh what's called the owl fight which is the second like big test of skill fight but when you get there you get to spoiler alert for sekiro when you get there you have a decision because the owl is your father in the game to obey your father and which would then be disobeying your master or obeying your master and disobeying your father. The mainline path in the game is to obey your master and disobey your father, which then leads to the owl fight. And this time I'm like, why do what? I don't want to do the owl fight. What's mm-hmm. the other option? And the other option is actually just an early final boss where you don't really get to see the last third of the game. Oh, um, so I'm technically on the final boss, but it's a different final boss battle. Um, is it the same? Into, like, is the, it the same mechanics just earlier in the game, or is it like a completely different type of battle? So in the final <laughs> boss battle, like the main one where you do have that final third of the game you're fighting through, you fight Genichiro, and then after you kill him, then you like um, the the head of Ashina Ishin, an older version of him resurrects out of Genichiro's body. And you fight this, like, him, like, uh, um, Ishin in his prime. And that's the final boss battle. He has three death blows. If you go the route I just took where I didn't uh, disobey um, my master and I instead fight my master, um, I have to fight his kind of, like, I guess she's like a handmaid of some kind. 
um, you have to fight her, and she's really fucking good, just like you fight Jen and Shiro as like an early like first phase of that boss. And then after you kill her, the old Ishin comes in, and you have to fight him. So it's like the same boss, but like one's a reincarnation of him when he was younger, and the one I'm facing now is him just being old as he is. But he's still fucking hard. If that makes any sense, so that's, I know it's like some like weird lore to explain. Yeah, that. I got lost for a little bit in between there, but I, it's it's new but different. <laughs> Something like that. It's new but different. Yeah. Um. But goddamn, that game is really, really fucking good. I'm just constantly impressed by it. It's great stuff. Um. The other thing I played this week, um, uh, Matt Vieira invited me to a LAN party yesterday. I was so surprised where- to see that you played this. Yeah. So he invited me to LAN party, uh, just to play Halo. Uh, Master Chief Collection with like multiple TVs in the room and multiple Xboxes connected each uh, TV to like it was awesome. Um, I also really suck at Halo. Is what I found. <laughs> like really, really, really suck at Halo. Wait, were um, you in that I, picture that he sent? Yeah, I didn't even <laughs> fucking notice. That's why he's like we're together right now. <laughs> oh my god, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice. It was like, oh, there's Matt with four strangers that I don't know, but that's cool that they're having a party. <laughs> okay. Thank God you're coming to see me next week because it's been way too long. I, I don't even recognize you anymore. Well, I'm probably fatter than that picture that you saw me when I was living in Chicago. Might be part of it. I, I think you know what it is? Season. You're not wearing your baby shirt, although you are wearing the banana shirt, but not the banana yeah. sand shirt. No, not the banana sand shirt, but I am wearing my yellow banana shirt. Yep. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, so the thing about Halo, so first of all, really bad. I was literally going like, hey guys, I know this is like a land tournament you're doing, and I'm dragging down every time I was on a team, <laughs> that team lost. Every single time. Feels like me and that Siege. Bad. Um, so I would get like half the kills of the second worst player on <laughs> any of the teams. <laughs> like really bad every single time. Uh, it's so much different than other shooters we've been playing lately. I didn't even like think about this. There's a really simple, fundamental difference for me. Well, two. One, you can't sprint. You're just running at the same speed all the time, which I think can kind of change how you move around the map. But also, you can't look down sights in Halo, at least in the first three in the first, Halo games. In all, all three of them? I thought it was just the first. I don't remember. See, uh, yeah, in Combat Evolved, Halo 2, and Halo 3, which are the ones we played. Um, I don't know about four and reach because I've never played those before or oh, ODST. It's been so but, yeah, long since I played those games. Sides. It's just it has literally been thirteen years since I played Halo Three. It was freshman year of college. It has been, and I haven't played one or two since then yeah. either. Whoa! Yeah, I didn't even remember that you can't aim downsize in those. Yeah, and I also when I played Halo, I only played the campaign. Yeah. I didn't really play online because my Xbox, uh, well, my stepdad decided to put a parental control on there to specifically not allow online content because he doesn't know what dirty things I could look up on the <laughs> Xbox. Literally was what he told me. And then he didn't know the passcode to turn parental controls off. So I was never able to even play anything online. Oh, it sounds like a lot of customers Xbox. in the past that I knew. <laughs> there were parental <laughs> controls on this? I don't remember the passcode. Guess I got to erase yep. everything. Oh, my, God. oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Gotta erase everything. Why? That's awful. Mm. Anyway, that's the whole story. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, it was really fun, though, be- being at that LAN party because everyone was so energetic, like, yelling, like, really profane things at each other across the room <laughs> to, like, get under the skin. It was really fun. It was a lot of... It was a really, really fun time. 
um I should probably play more Halo if I'm gonna go back if they'll allow me to come back for like ruining each team that I was on. <laughs> Um, but it was really, really cool to kind of go back and play some of those like older school uh, first person shooters, which feels weird calling Halo old school, but it kind of is. I mean, it redefined like, it was... shooters, and then now it's old school shooters. So, and I, when did like looking down sites become a thing? I feel like was that Call of Duty? It was probably Call of Duty, yeah. Because I feel like even Call of Duty three. You could do that. I don't know. It, it was interesting. It was interesting. Uh, the, but the one I kept forgetting about certain like items and guns and that. I had totally forgotten about sticky grenades and how fun sticky grenades are. Like just oh no, I got stuck with a sticky grenade. Fuck it, I'm just charging towards that guy now because, <laughs> because if he's going, if I'm going down, he's coming down with me. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was good stuff. God, I forgot how OP the energy sword is in that game. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Sword is crazy. I can't wait. Crazy. Uh, sometime in the near future. One of my gaming resolutions that we mentioned a few weeks ago is that I'm going to play through all the Halos before Halo Infinite comes out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, I guess I'll break the news to everybody. I'm going to be – there will be six weeks where I'll have nothing to do but play video games. So I want people's suggestions of what I should be playing. Uh, the Halo is a great opportunity. Uh, and to everyone, there will be a time for about two weeks where I won't be on the podcast later this month. Uh, Holden will be doing something else with somebody else, and I'll not be jealous. And, monologues, uh, mon- monologues. <laughs> he's gonna do shakespeare <laughs> soliloquies just for yeah. you um but yeah <laughs> so for my birthday i'm getting skin removal surgery for all the weight loss finally like this is the last step and i'm gonna have six ooh, weeks ooh. off of work where I, and i'm not allowed to get my heart rate up or anything like that i'm like not allowed to leave the apartment basically i could like walk down to walgreens after a couple of weeks but so i'm gonna be stuck here doing nothing and i'm gonna need a lot of entertainment so if anyone wants to play Halo in the middle of a work day, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> or if you've got games that you oh, just want to hear what I've played and hear my opinion on it, let me know. You must be bummed that Final Fantasy VII got delayed then. Right? My first day back at work will be March 30th, and it's like, that's a week before Final Fantasy VII. I was like, yeah. damn it, I could have used all of that. Yeah, that would been a great time to do it. Right? Speaking of great time, let's move on to Fetch Quest. Let's do it! Starting off with some rumor fetch quests, because we don't know if these are official or not until they're made official. The first one, did Insomniac Games tease Sunset Overdrive 2 from Dennis Patrick at Game <gasps> That's my best Basically, Tim Basically, they impression. tweeted a photo from the game of one of the, I guess, like, brutish zombie dudes. I, don't, I haven't played the game before, but they just said, <laughs> that looks dot, 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 infected is the caption. Um, does that mean in, in over, in, blah, Sunset Overdrive 2? I don't know. Maybe. It's a rumor. We'll find out Let's later. hope we see Spider-Man 2 first. I feel like they do on Sunset Overdrive 2 first because that they've been longer. I don't know. I don't know. I still feel like that that IP has so much history. I mean, it's literally just one game's worth of history, but it has so much association with Xbox that like, I would love to see Spider-Man 2 as like a first year game, maybe year and a half on PlayStation 5, and then they can like spin off a team and do Sunset Overdrive 2 and reclaim that IP. It is going to be weird, because I feel like Sunset Overdrive 2 will probably happen, but it'll be weird when it's a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. Especially when it was one of the only, like, new IPs for Microsoft last generation. Yeah. Somebody's like, nope. One of the ours. only <laughs> Xbox exclusives that reviewed well this generation. Yeah. That's out of, like, Gears and the Halo game that hasn't come out yet. Gears 5 was good. More people should play that. It's free on Game Pass. Get on it, you motherfuckers. All of them are. Um... Speaking of 
Bungie, because that Bungie somehow is relevant. There. Because you played a lot of Halo, and they made Halo. Exactly. Um, this isn't exactly a rumor, but it's also not exactly official, so I'm putting it in a rumor. Uh, new Bungie game will be, quote, comedic and, quote, lighthearted from Zormanicon at PlayStation Lifestyle. So Bungie had a job listing for a incubation art director. It says, would you like to work on something comedic with lighthearted and whimsical characters? Um, do you think uh, a lot about how art impacts gameplay, how character design can uh, enable for cosplays, or how character poses and environments speak to different cultures all around the world? As the incubator, as the incubation art director, you will define the look of a new Bungie IP and will work on all aspects of art to guide a prototype on the path to production. Zermanicon pointed out the article, two things in 2018 that happened that kind of adds some uh, interesting uh, uh, make that job description more interesting Bungie's a trademark for a game called Matter and has a very very cover, uh, colorful logo so it was trademarked in 2018 and also before that trademark even came out uh, Bungie had a statement our long term goal is to become an entertainment company that sustains many worlds simultaneously Destiny and new worlds to come so they're definitely working on something give it to me baby ah 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 Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see what they would do, absolutely. They have, like, um, made big improvements on, like, the characters of Destiny and, like, starting with mm-hmm. some of the lore and things like that, especially in all of these new things that I didn't even know existed in there. But, yeah, if they have characters, it sounds like they want to do, like, on the scale, like, heroes on the scale of Overwatch, because they're talking about, like, enable fan cosplays and things like that, and character poses and environments speak to each other and different cultures. Like, that's... They want to go that route, so it's really strong characters, and also make it like really funny and lighthearted. Like if they go with Cage Six, I know it's not Destiny related, but if they do a Cage Six, which is Nathan Fillion in Destiny Two, if they do that, and just a whole game centered around him, I'd play that game. I would cosplay as Cage Six, even though he's a robot. Let's move on. Yeah, that'd be cool. Would also be cool is this rumor, which has me. Kind of excited, and then also at the same time, not excited, depending on what happens. Uh, rumor, the major Switch title this holiday season could have, quote, tires in it. That actually is a uh, from a tweet from uh, Sabi, who we've talked about a few weeks ago uh, as well. She was the um, one, or he was the one, whoever, whoever they are. They are the one who leaked the, um, or started the rumor of Paper Mario and 2D, Mar- uh, 2D Metroid coming out this right. year. So same person. Um tires it's like it's got to be mario kart but are they gonna do mario kart 9 or is this gonna be nintendo kart or is it or is zero matt v- was tire somehow <laughs> um matt viera has a better title for nintendo kart and it's super smash racing and i love that title mm, i'd play that i i like super smash racing more than nintendo kart nintendo kart is like it'd be weird to have nintendo of in the name of one of their games i guess it matters nintendo land nintendo yeah kind of proves the rule it proves the exception proves the rule. Um, yeah, I don't. I think I don't know. My first I love reaction Mario Kart, was, but it's so good on, already on. I know we'll get Switch. to sales later, but my first reaction is Mario Kart Eight Deluxe is selling gangbusters all the time. Still, it's like thirty million or twenty five million or something like that. Yeah. So like, why would they need another Mario Kart? This one's and then it was like, yeah. But then they could also sell twenty five or thirty million more units to everyone mm-hmm. by adding a third item. I know this is very, like, ignorant and small-minded of me to say, but what can they really do in Mario Kart? Like, if they're going to do a new Mario Kart, that's fine, but I feel like it would have to have a reason to exist. Mm. They can't just, like, yeah, it's just like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, but there's three items now. Oh, God, if it's Diddy Kong racing again? Ah! 
<laughs> oh my god, I would play so much of that. Yes, yeah, so they have to do something big. We'll see what happens. So if it if it's like a new Mario Kart that looks like it's doing some interesting stuff, I'm pumped. I'm all for that. If it's basically Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Deluxe, I I don't care. Deluxe. Wish they made DLC instead. DLC be great. Yeah, Mercedes um, Benz baby. <laughs> another rumor, also Nintendo related. Um, the wonderful 101 on Switch teased again by Platinum Games. There is a tweeted photo of one of the. Uh, one of the directors or producers of that game, Wonderful 101, with the time on the monitor behind him saying 101. So everyone's going, oh my god, it means that 101's happening. Um, normally I go, that's a stretch. But then there's that Per Schneider quote from a few weeks ago where he said that the next port from the Wii U will... He hinted at it being a real-time strategy game. Which is kind of falls into what Wonderful 101 or like Pikmin would be. So we'll see. Nintendo should... I'm looking up sales numbers. Like, why would they choose this game? They We only have, oh, for Wonderful some reason, Japan numbers, but Nintendo shipped 30,000 copies for the games. Oh, games launch. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember it being like a huge game necessarily, but it had a really big cult following. So maybe they're hoping that that will translate to a wider audience on Switch that will make it worth it. I don't know. But I feel like Pikmin would be the the smarter choice. Like more people would buy a Pikmin game than Wonderful 101. Yeah, it sold 5,000 copies in its first week. Oh. <laughs> so that means it'll be like at least 7,000 on Switch. Yep. Was it this or is it something else later in the notes that it's getting kickstarted? There's nothing about Kickstarter in the notes later on. Maybe it was this article then about Wonderful 101. Yeah, update. Update in the article. Following on from yesterday's teaser, an anonymous source via 4chan is claiming there will be an announcement for a Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4 version of Wonderful 101, and it will be crowdfunded via Kickstarter. That makes more sense to me, if because it did not sell well. So mm-hmm. I doubt Nintendo would want to put that money behind it. So if if Platinum wants to make it, they're going to make it multi-platinum, so multi-platform, so they can make as much money as they can, and then and kickstart it because no one else will we'll fund see. it. <laughs> we will see. Um, now we've got to the official. Uh, fetch quest log. First one is Fire Emblem Hero subscription costs nine dollars and fifty cents per month. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> from Alistair Wong, Silicon Era. Uh, yeah, I wrote down all the benefits of it, and I don't even feel like reading them out because, like, I, these are things that are going to speak to people who are going to buy it anyway. And I'm sure there's some people who do that for reasons we will talk about later on uh, in the Nintendo official quest log. Um, but yeah, like that costs more than the Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> yep. For fi- I've never played Fire Emblem Heroes, but like it is, we'll talk about later how it is their best money or their best revenue uh, generating game on mobile by far. Oh yeah, and it's just because of the the microtransactions. But then like to see that people weren't willing to pay ten dollars one time for all of Super Mario Run, but they'll pay ten dollars a month for Fire Emblem. When you could buy Super Smash Brothers and it's literally just a Fire Emblem fighting game, like you could buy that one time. 
This is how civilizations crumble, everyone. I hate it. <laughs> this is how it happens. <laughs> uh, EA made more than $1 billion for microtransactions last quarter, speaking of microtransactions. And they also sold 8 million units of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So good for them. I... About the Star Wars Fallen Order thing, like, they were all, EA was all about, like, it sold way better than we expected it to. It sold 8 million units. And for me, I was like, that's more than you thought it would sell? I think they said that in their projections, this was in the higher end of their projections, I think is what they were saying. But it's still, that seems low to me. I mean, 8 million is a lot. I think, yeah, if you think about, like, Resident Evil, like, I think the the best-selling Resident Evil is, like, 11 million or 12 million or something. It was just so so surprising to see... A multi-platform game that is Star Wars, that is Respawn. Because I looked up sales for Battlefront mm-hmm. 2, which was a game that everyone knew was like rigged and <laughs> broken yeah. and stuff like that. And it, I felt like no one bought that. And that also sold just over 8 million units. And I was like, if that's like yeah. the when people knew the game was broken. I This is an EA who probably didn't have a lot of faith in single-player games to begin with. Um, I, here's also the quote here from the article. Um, Star Wars Fallen Order had sold beyond our uh, projections for the quarter and later reiterated the result by saying it uh, hit the high end of its expected sales. So All I think right. they said that earlier, and then they later reiterated later on in the, um, their call with investors. Well, I hope that means that they scope. give more money, time, and care to Respawn so they can actually make the second one good. <laughs> the first one was good. So. It was just not what I wanted it to be. Yeah, it wasn't good. It, it was, was okay. broken as fuck. Yeah. Stadia announces Guilt and Metro Exodus on February's Pro Games, but some adopters are getting restless. We'll talk about that restless part. Speaking of on. broken as that's... fuck, hey Stadia, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's from Chris Moyes at Destructoid. Oh, can I mention Exodus. one real quick good thing yet. about Stadia? Oh. So Matt and I played yes, Matt is all over this episode Matt and I played Destiny <laughs> last week On Monday because the 14th Or whatever, not the day The Tuesday was the last day that you could Get something in the game And so you had to run through this Fucking awful puzzle thing That was 30 I don't know how people figured it out The people who figured it out, props to you You guys are psychopaths <laughs> But we had to run through it before Tuesday and he was like, man, I left my PS4 at home. And I was like, but do you have Stadia? And he's like, oh, my God, I do have my Stadia. I, yeah, I've got a controller with me. Let's go. And he, despite in Stadia, in the client itself, it says, your Wi-Fi connection is good. You're good to play. Let's go. It's fast. And then he showed me, he filmed a video of himself playing it where he was like, he would hold the thumbstick on the controller for like five seconds and he would rotate in the game. He'd spin and then he'd let go and his, his character would just continue to spin. So there were times when we were like, all right, we have to go to the clover door. And it's like straight in the back right of the room. And he's like, cool. I'm going to line it up as best as I can and just hold forward and hope I make it there. He couldn't shoot or anything like that. It was like an awful playing experience. But um, we got it done. Whatever it was that we needed to be done, got it done, got to the end. And there was some glitch that we didn't even get the thing. So fuck it. Despite Stadia, you made it. Yeah. Stadia's broken. PlayStation Plus games, though, for February 2020 are dope. They include Bioshock the Collection and Sims 4. Uh, Everyone, if you're a PlayStation Plus member, make sure you go get Bioshock the Collection because Bioshock Infinite is on our list sometime this year to be a barf game. Uh, And You should have already gotten it because we played two games already, Bioshock 1 and 2 with Minerva's (laughs) Den. Unless you're a new listener. Hey, what's up, new listener? What's up? What are you wearing? Yeah, don't scold them. They don't know what's up. <laughs> Let's keep going. Speaking 
Speaking of Sony and good things, Sony running a campaign to support Australian bushfire relief efforts. So they're going to have, like, executives like Ted Price and Shuhei Yoshida just doing live streams and playing games to raise money. That's really cool. Of them. I love seeing all of this, like, again, coming back to Bungie and Destiny. Like, there's the shirt you can buy on Bungie.net that's a Destiny shirt, but all the proceeds go to helping out the bushfires in Australia. Like, that's really cool. I love to see the industry yeah. getting behind helping people. I also see the industry get behind Nintendo Switch, and that's exactly what's happening with the Outer Worlds, which has now an official release date, March 6th. Woo! Uh, I would buy it there, but I basically already have it on PlayStation and Xbox because of Xbox Game Pass. Right. So I feel like to have it on three consoles would be a little strange. But here's the thing. on Switch would be nice. When it's on Switch, you're going to get the authentic Fallout experience. Not only is it going to be a Fallout game, but it's also going to be broken and janky. Because <laughs> it's the worst way to play it. Just kidding. It, I'm sure it's going to be great. It actually might be good. I don't know. Because it's not really like an incredible looking game to begin with. I don't know. Um, this is interesting, this one. The Sonic movie's not even out yet, but Jim Carrey is up for doing a sequel. Of course he is. I'm sure he got paid a lot of money. Well, so I watched the clip, and I'm sure I was thinking that too. Like, I'm sure it's just like something he had to say in an interview because it's it's press and it, they got to make the movie look good. But I'm like, let me watch this and see what they they have to say. And. The question actually was, like, what character would you like to see keep going that you could go back to? And this is after they talked about, like, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, like, great acting from, like, Adam Sandler and Akon Jebs. Like, it was kind of all over the place. And he's like, hey, oh, by the way, like, what would you like to, like, you know, play as? He's like, you know, Robotnik from from uh, from uh, the Sonic movie. I'd love to go back to that character because I feel like we haven't even touched the ridiculousness that he can get to. Plus, I like playing a character that's so smart. This is what he said. I still do think that's a little bit of PR talk, but... I'm sure there's some PR talk in there, but it didn't seem like the interviewer was like, so tell me about why you like this movie. Right. Like, he brought it up on his own, and I think that kind of says something. Interesting. Um, I'm sure the movie's still not going to be that great. Oh, it's going to be awful. It's coming out in two weeks. Oh, I won't be able to see it. That'll be the the day my surgery is... Oh, you're going to miss out. You're going to be so Fuck. upset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Metro Exodus's next DLC arrives February 11th, and that is our final quest log. That might have been our probably, blah, final fetch quest. That was a long fetch quest. It yeah, it was. Me? We got wow. Our first official quest log item. That's from Microsoft. Microsoft, this is all going to the financial stuff now. Xbox is making less money than this time last year. Comma. But it's complicated. That's from Eric Van Allen at US Gamer. So they're down on total revenue 21% when it comes to anything like Xbox related. Uh, Xbox content and services specifically is down 11%. Microsoft says this comes from a decrease in third-party activity from the previous year. They did not mention what that third-party was, but two suggestions are Fortnite sales dip last year and a lack of major third-party titles on the level of Red Dead Redemption 2 that we had in 2018, but not as much in 2019. Isn't Despite that- these drops, Sorry, isn't that crazy that they can say, hey, this free-to-play game didn't make enough money for us this year as it did last year? Isn't that crazy <laughs> that we live in a time where this free game like Fortnite is like a huge revenue driver for Microsoft? Oh, yeah, because microtransactions change in the world. Right? Eric Van Allen suggests... Oh, sorry. Uh, despite this, uh, these drops, uh, Game Pass doubled its subscription last quarter. Uh, Eric Van Allen suggests this will have positive repercussions since Game Pass subscribers tend to buy more games. Um, also... Worth noting that drops of this nature aren't surprising as the console cycle ends. Yeah, that part I kind of want to. I do want to touch on that part though. When you say like 
buying software like might go down at the end of a cycle because people are going to get the next console. Like, yeah, that's a trend that we we have seen. I'm surprised it's happening this time around though because of how adamant Microsoft has been that forwards compatibility like these games are going to be playable on the next generation of consoles all the controllers you can get will be playable in the next generation of consoles i thought we'd see less of a drop but 21 percent's pretty much what usually happens i mean is that something we'll see like next non-generation generation later if you, know you I mean? think there there is such a small sliver of the pie of people who play games who actually hear any of the microsoft messaging like, when they say, yeah, your games are going to work on Xbox Series X. Yeah, your controllers will work. Everything's forward and backwards compatible across the board. They're, like, the small percentage of a percentage of a percentage of people who actually hear that information and know what it means and all that is, like, nobody knows. You're Madden people, your so, Call of Duty people, like, the, the huge revenue drivers, like, they hear, <laughs> oh, I saw a commercial for an Xbox Series X during the Super Bowl tonight. Great. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm going to save up my money for that and stop buying stuff this year. That's yeah. all they know, and that's all they're going to know until it comes out and they buy it and they play the next whatever they play. I think I think you're definitely onto something where there's a lot of people who play games who just don't care, who just want to play their games. But then you look at things like the Game Awards getting like 45 million people viewing it and a lot of that's for the announcements and seeing what new stuff's going to be announced that i don't know i think that there's a there like that niche of gamers like that bubble we're in i think it i don't know i I think it might be larger than like say movies people who go see movies like i think like there's a niche of like film lovers who like know all the movies that are coming out in 2020 already because they're really like huge advocates of film versus video games i think there are more people who would pay attention to that kind of thing video games definitely i don't know like i I think it's true that video games now officially make more money or is a, a larger business, more revenue, more uh, money yeah, yeah. in video games than any other em- entertainment business. Yeah. But I guess I'm wondering, though, more of, like, the number of enthusiasts compared to, like, other, like, other industries or other uh, mediums. I don't know. I don't think there's really been, like, a study on that. Yeah. I, I have, my gut feeling says, but old people love movies and old people hate video games. Like, yes, we have millennials and all, like, the Gen Z. Like, all of these people love Mm -hmm. video games, and they're really passionate about it. And people in their 30s and 40s now who grew up with them. But, like, Mm -hmm. everyone watches movies and loves movies. Unless If you don't, then you should die. But not everyone loves video (laughs) games. That'll change one day. That'll change one day. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of olds, (laughs) we have a Sony Quest log. Final Fantasy VII Remake, that old game that's being remade, has a new trailer, and oh my god, it's so good. Oh, I wish it didn't exist, though. <laughs> it was like four minutes long. There was way too much reveal. Like there was, It showed you so much of that game. Like, introducing you to Red 13, the dog thing that with the fire tail, like, mm-hmm. the, like running across these things for the first time in the game and like oh my god am i about to have a dog thing that joins my party in the middle of the game and it fights that's so that's such a cool thing that's awesome and then like there was so much in this trailer that i just wish people hadn't hadn't seen i want them to experience that for the first time while they're playing the game mm-hmm. the all the cross-dressing it, stuff oh my god like i'm i know they had to put it in there to be to like assure hardcore fans of the old one like yes don't worry this is still a thing in the game but like it's one of those Save like funny things that they've spoiled, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I had this, like, maybe they put it out there to, like, just to see if some, like, idiots online would be really upset about, like, oh, my God, there's something genderless. Like, we must boycott this. And that causes, <laughs> like, some sort of, like, big press to give Final Fantasy VII, uh, like, any bad press is good press kind of thing. Yeah. But I didn't hear anything like that, which kind of surprised me in a good way. Like, very happy people get mad about that. So I felt like that could have been a big outrage moment for people. Like, oh my gosh, Cloud's wearing a dress. Men can't <laughs> wear dresses. That's ridiculous. That being said, um, however, this game looks so fucking good. Yes. I was telling, I was talking to, um, or I tweeted back and forth with uh, Dalton, uh, Dalton, Darby. Why did I say Dalton? I don't know. Um, Darby about it. And I was like, this game looks so like high production value, so polished. There's no corners cut in this. It just looks perfect. It looks so fucking perfect. It's like they're almost doing a disservice to themselves for future Final Fantasy games. Like they're remaking everyone's favorite story in a Final Fantasy game into what looks like it could be one of like the one of the best games of the year. There's a lot of Maybe Final Fantasy fans of the out there who will who will say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." Nobody loves Final Fantasy VII for the story. That's not like the best Final Fantasy story. There are so many other better ones out there. So, just oh really? I'm gonna yeah. I'm okay, gonna. I, I'm gonna save I always thought you it was the that. story that had to be. Well, so what was the big appeal then? I found I thought it was the story. I mean, a lot of it was like the first time that it was in 3D, like the cutscenes that were fully rendered and that kind of stuff were really cool. Mm-hmm. The, people liked the characters that were in it that were like interesting characters, but the story itself is just is kind of dumb. But there's things like Final Fantasy V. Final Fantasy VII, you monster. Final Fantasy V story is so much better. Final Fantasy VI, even. Like, there's, there are so many better JRPG stories out there than Final Fantasy VII. They should just scrap this then and make those stories instead. Kill it! <laughs> PS4 games, blah. PS4 game sales top 1 billion all time, says Sony. That's 1.18 billion, not 181 billion. Games sold. And that includes digital and physical, but not DLC content. Uh, 274 million of those games were sold uh, 2019. I almost said this year. That was last year. So like a quarter uh, of its sales were all made in this year. That's crazy. Did I write millions at a billion again? Did I do that again? I th- uh, Yeah, I thought I wasn't 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure PS3 did not sell a trillion games. Uh, no, it didn't. And neither did the... Um, Anyway, so yeah, PS3 sold 999 million games. PS2 sold 1.53 billion uh, games. So Sony's doing pretty well this time around. Probably not going to pass PS2, but... No, they seem to line up in in order of like the hardware that was sold, PS2, PS4, PS3. The games kind of line up that same way too. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Good for them. And speaking of PlayStation 4... People, Sony's asking PlayStation 4 owners if they want remote play on the Nintendo Switch, among other things, says Damien McFerrin yes. at Nintendo Life. I'm so hyped for this. So, yeah, let's start with that one first. Then we'll kind of go through some of the other ones that are listed in there as well. First of all, this is a, from a Reddit post. It's like pictures taken of a survey, which, which happens. So it's, you don't know if it's legitimate or not. But it, based on the questions they're kind of asking, it seems like it's pretty much what you'd expect from these kind of surveys. Yeah. Oh man, I would want that. Yeah, like really bad. It's a remote That's play a app on idea. Switch, freaking great. And then you have to dock oh. the Switch and put it in Ethernet for it to work anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be really good. Mostly because for me, it would show a sign that Sony is willing to expand outside of their just 
what would you even call it? It's not even like a walled garden. It's like rigid and <laughs> unwilling to change. Uh, it'd be nice to see that. Um, some of these other things, though, sound kind of cool, too. Um, in no particular order, just listing some of these off. PS4 remote play on a device without an internet connection. So, like, your PlayStation 4 might not have to be online. Or the device to... itself doesn't have an internet connection. Like, you could download... Yeah. I could see this, like, potentially, there's a PS4 remote play app on your iPad, and yeah. you can download games locally to play on your iPad. Like, you can download locally to play on Netflix. Mm-hmm. They also you mentioned as well using remote play when the PS4 is offline as well. Like both of those sound really great, especially PS4 being offline because that would mean that it would just go directly from a server to your device, right? As opposed to from your PS4 and that internet connection and however slow that internet connection is to the server and then to your device and whatever internet connection that you know device has. That sounds like it could be a really good solution to smoothing out. Uh, um, remote play, which can be a little little wonky sometimes. Um, access to PS1 and PS2 games is what they, the other thing they asked for. Um, on that note of like taking uh, PlayStation with you with remote play, a slim portable DualShock controller that is easier to carry on the go. Yeah. Which they kind of had with like the, the DualShock Mini. So it's not necessarily out of the question. They've kind of already done that already, just not with the intended focus of like on-the-go play. I think that the Mini was just more for, like, kids' hands is kind of the idea, just right. for smaller hands. Uh, using different controllers with remote play, with an example of using the Xbox wireless controller, also, like, another thing of Sony's going to break the rigid shell and try something else. Physically changing the controller layout, positioning and size of controllers is listed as an example. This one I was confused about. Did they mean, like, changing the size of the controls on a touchscreen when you're doing uh, remote play on a, like a touchscreen device, or do they actually mean like physical, meaning like physical, like you're holding it in your hand, you're changing the controller itself? What would that look I like? I assumed this was like Xbox Elite controller on crack. You know how like, Elite controller you can like swap out the D pad yeah, and no, move paddles around. Totally, totally, totally. But like you but, might like, be able to like you move make... you. You could offset the thumbsticks or keep them like even, or you could move the button slightly mm-hmm. if they're more comfortable in one area. I totally get that, but first of all, what does that look like? Like, how do you design something like that? Like, let's say I wanted to have a bigger X button. The hole on the controller would have to accommodate for all sizes of that X button, which means that the controller itself would have to be larger than, like, it would have to be a big controller, but then you're physically changing its size. It's very, I'd have to see it to, like, really understand. Maybe they don't understand either. They're just, if people want it, like, cool, maybe we'll throw some R&D money at it and figure out what that looks like. And that's what I think we need to mention, too. Just because they're asking the questions doesn't mean they're actually going to do any of these things. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we should probably mention that, yeah. Uh, ability to play PS4 remote play on more devices, like a Nintendo Switch, Apple TV, or, or, or Android TV. The Apple TV and Android TV is a big deal, too. Yeah, now that you finally have that's like th- legit controller support with Xbox and PS4, too. Yeah. And then lastly, the most exciting one on this list, adjust the sensitivity of the on-screen controls. Mm. Woo! Mm, that's important. Cool. That's very important. Uh, I really hope that they at least bring this remote play to Switch, which of all the things listed seems like the most likely. Well, except for access to PS1 and PS2 games. Yeah. Seems like the most likely. To me, it seems like Sony has a plan for some kind of improved streaming technology, whether it's a streaming service, whether it's buffing up Mm -hmm. remote play to make it more accessible or something like that. It has a plan, and it might even have many of these things ready to go. And then this might be like, cool, 
Which one do we polish first? What are people most looking for? And maybe that's what we'll put out first, and then we'll continue to work on the rest of them over time. Yeah. It's interesting, though, that they're, they are dipping their toes in that water. Yup, yup, yup. Moving on to the Nintendo Quest log, which is a, this is a big one. There's a lot of financial stuff to talk about. Got the Pokemans to talk about. Got Animal Crossing to talk about. Start with Chad's favorite, Animal Crossing. <laughs> we'll get through this fast. Woo. Don't worry, Chad. We'll get through it very fast. First, Nintendo confirms Animal Crossing New Horizons is limited to one island per Switch, Matthew Olson at US Gamer tells us. Um, this is something that was suggested at E3 last year, but never flat out said. And now it's flat out said. They send their Nintendo sent their Australian site. Please note only one island can exist per Nintendo Switch console, irrespective of the number of user accounts registered or copies of the game used on the console. One Nintendo Switch and one copy of the game is required for each unique island. So, like, if there are, if you and me both share a Switch and you have your own profile with your own games and your own achievements, and I have mine with my own games, even though I bought a separate cartridge or I downloaded the game separately or paid for it, like, because we're on the same console, we have to share the same house and the same Tom Nook and the same fucking everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's so stupid. Yeah. Animal That's Crossing how it has sucks. Worked. That's how it's worked in the past, though. So, like, on a 3DS, you could have four save files on a 3DS version, but it was always the same island. Or, no, it was always the same town, I mean, that, that you were on. So, you basically just see the other profile's house as just, like, one of your neighbor's houses. Oh. And I think that the way that this is designed to work, and the, why, the reason it has to work this way, is that when you're doing local multiplayer with someone who already has a profile and you just have like two controllers connected to the the switch you're just in the same town you guys both already know the thing i can see becoming an issue however is that in this game i believe you can just kick people out of your town if you don't like them uh. like the other villagers <laughs> not not like the main like profile players but like that might get kind of frustrating for some people where like if i really like baxter in the game but the other person doesn't like Baxter and kicks him out of the town. I'm going to be kind of bummed about that. Yep. If I decide, so, hey, I'm done with Animal Crossing, you can forget my save file. But before I go, I'm going to kill everyone in your town. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. And I would, wouldn't be very nice. But you know what would be very nice? That switch. Yeah. It looks There's nice. There's just one problem with this lovely Animal Crossing-themed Nintendo Switch. And you know what that is? I... I'm not going to buy it. That's the problem. <laughs> because I want it, but I'm not going to spend $300 to buy another Switch. It doesn't include the game. It's just a $200, or sorry, $300 uh, Switch regular. And it comes out March 13th. It looks really nice. I like it a lot. It's got, they call them like, like seafoam uh, colored Joy-Cons, I think is what it was. It's like a um, light green and a light really... blue one. They look yeah. really nice. They will sell them separately in Japan if you want to import them from Japan, but... Of course, they'll sell them in Japan, but not America. Those bastards. Yep. Um, yeah, looks nice. It does. Won't be like an ideal world kind of thing. It's like, hey, we're releasing the Switch Two, but on launch day, we'll have every single variant we're ever going to release right? for it available on and that. I day. want it on launch day, but also I want all these cool versions of it. Yeah, can't can't have it both ways. Let's talk about the Pokemon. Pokemon. So the first thing here is Pokemon home price options include a free and paid plans. Brian Cooper at Silicon Era. So there's a free plan and a basic plan. 
sorry, a free plan and a premium plan. Well, first free of all, basic would be very strange. I don't even know if we've even mentioned it on the thing, but uh, Pokemon Home comes out this month, February, February 2020. Yeah. It officially got released, and then this is kind of the information about how it works. Yes. So the free plan, you can't transfer Pokemon from Pokemon Bank. So if you already have Pokemon at Pokemon Bank, or you need to kind of make Pokemon that you have in your DS or 3DS copies, switch to the, um, switch to the Switch version of the game, transition to the Switch version of the game, you, you have to get the premium plan. So you, Basic already has a limitation on it. You can only have 30 Pokemon stored at any time. And then there's also the Wonder Box, the Global Trade System. I don't know what these were. Um, Wonder Box is a box where you put three Pokemon in there and they randomly get traded for other Pokemon. Whereas the Global Trade System, you request to trade specific Pokemon for other specific Pokemon. Yes, yeah, so you can say like, hey, I want this Charmander. Somebody trade me this Charmander for a Gengar. And you just put yeah. it out there and people can see that forever and no one's ever going to take that deal up unless they need a starter. So, And then finally mm-hmm. when someone's like, you know what, I will take that. And then you actually get what you want rather than a random trade. Yep. So Wonder Box, you can have up to three Pokemon in the, the free plan or the basic plan as they call it. And one Pokemon in the global trade system. Then you go to the premium plan and you can have up to 10 Pokemon in the Wonder Box and three in the Global Trade System, so that, that increases. But you can also have up to 6,000 Pokemon deposited as opposed to 30, and you can transfer from the Pokemon Bank. Now, pricing, it's $3 for one month, $5 for three months, and $16 for one year. That's like the cost almost of Nintendo Switch Online service itself. Yeah, it is. And people will pay for it because people love people their Pokemons. But even like Pokemon Bank, which is like basically just the storage part of all of this and moving it between games, was only five bucks a yeah. year. Yeah. And also, really, how much storage space is it really? Because they don't actually have to hold the asset itself. I mean, by asset, meaning like the actual character model of the Pokemon. Right. And all, like, the noises associated and all of the moves. They don't do any of that. All they actually made the moves associated. But all they have to do is hold the name of the Pokemon in a text file, as well as what level it's at and what moves it has. And that would be, like, a line of a text file. Yep. That takes up absolutely no server space whatsoever. This is just basically fifteen ninety nine of pure profit every single year for... Uh, for Game Freak. Yep. So good for them. People will buy it. I probably won't because honestly, 30 is enough Pokemon for anything I would use the Pokemon Bank for. Yeah, this is 100% for those people who were freaking out. Like, I've had my fucking Butterfree since Pokemon Ruby on the Game Boy Advance, and I've been moving it from mm-hmm. game to game to game to game, and now this is yep, finally it's... the ability for you to move that to Switch. So this is those people who have taken their entire thousand-something Pokemon Pokedex and moving it over. Great. Yeah. For me, and I think for if that, there's like, oh, cool, I caught Mewtwo in that other game, and now on the next one I want to use it, great. I'll do basic for a month and move that one Pokemon that I like. And that's mm-hmm. it. I think for that person, this is worth it. Yeah. I think, I mean, $16 a year is, is, for someone who loves Pokemon that much, very affordable, I think. Is it for me? Yeah, that, that's not worth my money for what I'd use it for. What, I, what I've always used Pokemon Bank for is making sure I can have all three starter Pokemon at the beginning of a Pokemon game. I play the game, I get it so that I can trade it into the Pokemon bank while still having one Pokemon in my party that I don't give a shit about. I delete <laughs> that save file, I do it all over again for the next starter Pokemon until I have all three. That's what I use it for, and I can do that no problem with 30 Pokemon. Yep. 
But the big Pokemon news this week, uh, Degsit, move aside, because Nintendo calls Pokemon <laughs> Sword and Shield a huge hit as it breaks 16 million in sales from Brett Mackendowski at Destructoid. So it sold 16.18 million copies. Sorry, it sold... Um, it sold 16 I, million itself. I think that's it sold, the yeah, 16, no, I didn't put the number in here. It's 16.08 or something like that. Um, 16.18 million copies of Sun and Moon were sold, so that was like the last one. So it already is basically at where Sun and Moon ended up, and it's just in the first quarter of its of its sales. Right, and this is this is quarter, so the, the quarter that ended December yeah. 31st. So it's like six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Versus Lifetime so, of Sun and Moon. Woo! Exactly, so really good. And then other Pokemon games, it's, it's definitely going to pass like Gold and Silver, which is the second best-selling Pokemon game. It, which is at 23.1 million units. Red, blue, and green sold 31.38. Don't know if it's going to reach that or not, but this is going to be one of the best-selling Pokemon games ever. Uh, I guess that I guess the number of Pokemon didn't really bother people that much. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Can I... <laughs> this just reminded me of the dream I had last night. I didn't even remember. I dreamt last night that I went into a GameStop, and I was just I just spent the entire dream rummaging through shelves, finding old Game Boy versions of Pokemon. Like, oh, here's Pokemon Red. <laughs> here's Pokemon Yellow. And all of them had something written on them in Sharpie, like the person's name or like a smiley face or something like that. And I just, I found the games and spent the whole dream just like cleaning the Sharpie off of the game. <laughs> what a boring ass dream. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really, like, sorry, okay. Moving on to something way more exciting than that. Financials. <laughs> uh, this is a lot of Nintendo like investor talk, but I, I think a lot of it's actually kind of interesting. So for starters, the Nintendo Switch Online service um, has now, blah, now has more than 15 million subscribers. It comes from Liam Doolin and Nintendo Life. President Furukawa said one more point to mention is the more than 15 million accounts worldwide with a paid membership to Nintendo Switch Online. And those sales occupy a certain presence within our digital sales. But while new members continue to join, there are also those who do not renew their memberships. Which for him to call that out means it's probably a decent amount of people who are canceling their NSO accounts. I would if you didn't still pay have... for it. Yeah, I have you on a family plan because it's thirty five dollars a year. I'm going to have to play Nintendo games online, so might as well. Um, this intent, this still accounts for twenty nine percent of all Switch owners, which is actually a good percentage to be at. I'm pretty sure that's exactly where Sony and Microsoft are. Yeah, I think Sony was like for, just over thirty million of their one hundred and six million PS4 owners. Yeah, so they're they're doing well, but I think it's that people are coming back on, not necessarily staying. Like they're they're kind of leaving and going quite a bit so they're trying to find new ways to to add value to nso so i'm sure we'll see like n64 games like that kind of stuff get added maybe all games will be able to do cloud save instead of like this weird like something's oh, fucking get these right features. some things don't get these features it's definitely has some problems but the the price i think saves it um so yeah we'll we'll see what happens there um speaking of see what happens there Nintendo just end it. Just end the 3DS. <laughs> 3DS is still chugging along as Nintendo reveals recent sales numbers and reconfirms lack of new games on the horizon. But they're still putting in stores. Uh, so with its total sales of 620,000 units last year, the 3DS is now down 73% from last year. They have stopped making games, but it still feels like if you go to like a Best Buy, it's, it's right there with the Switch still. 
like side by side. I just feel like it should, we should be past that at this point. It really, like my my nephew just got a two DS for his birthday in January, and mm-hmm. we went to Target, and he's and yeah, it's. It is side by side, and of course, it's a 2DS, and it has Mario Kart on it and Donkey Kong, and he's like, ah, this is just as good as the Switch. Poor little kid doesn't know that in a year, he's going to be wishing he had the Switch instead. But yeah, yep. it's kill it. Put a bullet in his head. <laughs> um, especially because they get other money now from mobile games. From six games, Nintendo brought in $1 billion in lifetime revenue. Not including Pokemon Go, because that's the Pokemon company Niantic. Yeah, not including Pokemon Go, which itself um, brought in a billion dollars. <laughs> it was like nine hundred and ninety seconds, million or something like that. Yeah, really quickly. That's from Rebecca Valentine at GamesIndustry.biz. Um, so we were talking about this earlier. Fire Emblem accounted for sixty-one percent of all the money that Nintendo made from mobile games. Sixty-one percent. That means that number two, the number two a mobile game financially for Nintendo was Animal Crossing with one hundred and thirty-one million. In sales, oh, th- dollars in sales, which is like thirty-one like downloads. Yeah, so holy shit, Fire Emblem did really and then well. Dragalia lost right behind Animal Crossing. You remember that game? Yeah, that's that surprised me, man. But poor Doctor Mario World, holy shit, four point <laughs> eight million dollars in sales. It's by far the lowest. Yeah, because that game was trash. So- I literally never opened it, but I watched the four-minute trailer from Nintendo, which was just a tutorial on it. I was like, never touching that. My brother liked it a lot. He was obsessed for like a few weeks. He might be one of the only <laughs> he might be the, He might be the whale that spent your dad's $4.6 million. <laughs> My dad had $4.6 million. That's news to me. <laughs> Uh, Nintendo Switch had its most successful sales year yet, and it only took three quarters. This is from also from Brett uh, McIndowski at Destructoid. So since April 2019 and the end of 2019, Nintendo sold 17.74 million units. 10.81 of those, excuse me, uh, were during the holiday season, so it's a fucking incredible holiday season. Yep. And 3.24 million of those were the Switch Lite, with about just about 2 million of those units coming from its launch period. So it's like so a total of thing- just over five million for Switch Lite, which I think is a strong number for that first the one quarter that it's been available. Basically, no, no, no. no. So three point two four million is the total sales. Just launch was one point nine five. Are you sure? Because I think I saw somewhere that it was five million lights. Let me look at it right now. I'm pretty sure that's how it was phrased. Looking it up. You're right. You're right. You're 100% right. I'm wrong. Fuck Article yeah. says... The mobile-only model, the Switch, contributed 3.24 million sales in the third quarter. The Switch Lite currently sits at 5.19 million lifetime sales. So the one, the launch was in the previous quarter. That was 1.95 million. And then the second quarter, it was available 3.24 million. So you're right. I'm wrong. Either I way, it's you. doing well. It's doing great. Thanks, Chad. It's doing really well. Um... It, I'm still actually surprised that the um, big boy switch is doing better. Is that longer battery I think life? It's about even, actually. Like, it's about even, actually. No, it's not. So it's about 30% of the total. Yeah. So it's a 70-30 split. I mean, I I was going to get my niece a Switch Lite for her birthday. We talked about mm-hmm. this months ago. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get her a Switch Lite for her birthday. And then, But my brother's like, no, she loves playing it on the TV. Don't get her a Switch Lite. And I was like, oh, all right. 
guess the TV is a big part of it. People want to dock their Switch. I, I guess it's that when you look at the stats of most people like to play it in handheld mode. I guess hybrid's still the 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 predominant way people play it, but docked was the least um is the least popular way of playing the Switch. So I kind of figured that maybe people would just say, you know, I would just want to get a Switch as a handheld only. And I, th- I really thought that was going to be a bigger than it turned out to be. I mean, it's still doing well. I'm not saying it's doing bad, right. but I was surprised. Um, but there's that third tier that it's been rumored for a long time, but Nintendo just squashed that for 2020 at least. Um, so they confirmed in that same investor call that there's no plan for any new Nintendo Switch hardware this year at all. I feel like they said the same thing last year, and then we got the light. So I don't know. I don't they know said, how much I believe they it. said last year. There's no new upgrade. Well, when they announced the Switch Lite, it was an upgrade in battery, because that was before they announced the upgraded battery version of the Switch. Okay, but would you ever really consider the Switch an? Uh, it's called the Switch Lite. That does not it's, sound like an upgrade. It is in some ways an up. It depends on how you play it. Nintendo is usually very honest about this kind of stuff. They don't say things and do the opposite. They're usually pretty much true to their word on it. And this fits in with, like, the reason I was pretty certain that a Switch or something was happening last year with Switch is that they release new hardware generally every two years. I don't think they do a back-to-back. That's not usually the, their, with their cadences. Like, when you look at the 3DS, know. you look at the Game Boy lines, the DS lines, it was always about a two-year period before a new piece of hardware would, would come out. I mean, going back to Game Boy Advance was 2001, and then 2003, I believe, the SP came out. And then, actually, to break that, the DS was 2004. But then it was 2006 was the DS Lite. 2008 was the DSi, and it just kind of went on and on. Every two years, something new was coming out. But now you got to have that home console refresh in there. When did they release the Nintendo Wii that was like the little mini version of it that didn't play discs? Yeah, right How many years was that Wii into U, it? Right before the Wii U came out, so many, many years. When did they release the Jungle Green version of the N64? <laughs> That's, that doesn't count at all as an upgrade. Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm um, the Jungle Green version switch- came with the expansion pass and Donkey Kong 64, or the the expansion, um, mm-hmm. uh, expansion something. Um, so that does count as an upgrade. Mo- oh, sure, we're moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I think that at this point, if they were to release something in 2021 that is like a Switch Pro, as we we talk about it nowadays, I feel like they're better off just making that the 299 Switch. Switch just now has, you know, whatever it is, better better screen, even better battery life, faster processor, all that kind of stuff. I feel like they just, why why have three tiers? I'll cry three tiers. I don't know. What? I don't know. Three. Done. We'll God, we have so many more stories left to get to. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, the Google Stadia subscribers, this is going to Google now, Google Stadia subscribers disappointed with the lack of new titles. So basically, on Stadia users, uh, on the Stadia Reddit, 
um, people were complaining that there's been no new titles for the past 40 days. And then Google responded and said, we have a lot more planned and will continue to work hard toward delighting gamers with our vision for Stadia. Looking at our upcoming lineup, we are tracking more than 120 games coming to Stadia in 2020 and are targeting more than 10 games in the first half of this year alone that will only be available on Stadia when they launch. We're looking, we're working with our partners to share more on those games soon. That three-month trial is coming up quick, and I am so curious how their membership will drop off when that happens. It's like two weeks from now when everyone will will finally yeah. have that. And it's already not a very high membership to begin with. Yep. I'm here's what I think happened here. When the lineup for Stadia was shown off for its launch. People were complaining that it was too small. And then suddenly they added like double the amount of games. Oh, yeah. It went from like 12 to 20 or something like that or 24. Yeah. I'm sure those games were supposed to come out in this 40-year period, or this 40-year, this 40-day period where there's <laughs> 40 years, the 40-day period where there's nothing. And I think they just said, fuck it, just put it, front load it, and we'll worry about it later. And then you combine that with the fact that basically there's just basically not a lot of games coming out until March 30th when Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing come out anyway. Well, there are not a lot of games mm-hmm. coming out, but there are still thousands of games in a backlog that they should have on Stadia as well. Sure, absolutely. Like, um, they can put those out in those 40 days. I, yeah. I am not giving them any slack that they did not have enough partnerships lined up to support <laughs> the service that they launched as a revolutionary streaming thing. I th- I'm i thinking they might have been thinking, like, do we want our first few months to be nothing but just, hey, new old game coming out. Hey, old game coming out. I, I think they might have wanted to avoid that, and that's hurting them. I don't know. I mean, even them saying that they have 10 games that are going to be in the first half of the year alone – like, why haven't you talked about that yet? I think that's the bigger problem for me is, like, just fucking say something's happening. Yeah. Like, if you know that game is coming out in June, it's not like it's, it's suddenly just going to disappear into the nether. But I'm saying, like, let's say you, you know it's coming out in June, right? Yeah. It's not like that game is going to disappear and become canceled by that point. It is far enough in development that it's happening just talk about right. it right but just say i'm on your side the yes if, yeah. if you've got something in the next five months if you've got 10 things in the next five months why haven't we heard of any of them yeah they must be not interesting games <laughs> they're all guilt <laughs> they're all guilt uh i just I, this is such a mess i've seen a lot of stories of people saying like google's already given up on stadia i don't think they gave up on stadia i just think they launched it way too early yep it's a shame. I do think that a big part of maybe why we haven't heard about some of these upcoming games is that, at least in the last half of the year, there's probably some next-gen games they just simply can't talk about that are going to be coming to Stadia. I'm sure that's a factor as well, but again, like to your point, like old games, like why aren't there some old games? Like I still like feel like I can see why they wouldn't want to just have old games, um, but just, I don't know, like do something. I think front-loading it early on like that was a really bad idea. Just everything about Stadia feels reactionary. Like they're just reacting yep. as opposed to having a clear plan and sticking to it. Yep. You fucked. Moving oh, on. Third party. Third party yeah. quest. Third party quest. So uh to 
to talk about another rumor we talked about last week, uh, Resident Evil 8 protagonists, enemies, and more leaked. Ooh. This is from Dennis Patrick at GameRank. So there was, a, again, we talked last week about a Resident Evil 8, but now they're saying that the protagonist of the game is going to be Ethan from Resident Evil 7. He'll be... Um, partnering i guess with chris redfield in the game the first person perspective is going to return and there's going to be wolf and ghost type creatures that'll make an appearance however um the person who said the leaks from last week tweeted out uh, this is aesthetic gamer and he said me and the people who were sharing the resident evil 8 rumor actually talked about this a few days ago for the record i am certain the re8 that's being talked about excuse me is not the final game and is probably what capcom rebooted about a year and a half, about a, a half a year ago. I think Capcom did a vertical slice test with. So this is basically what you said last week, which is that they probably were making this first person, you being you, Chad, so people who don't yep. know who I'm talking about when I say you, that they were working on this first person version of Resident Evil 8 and then saw the tremendous success from Resident Evil 2 and said, actually, let's do something else. And this kind of like fits right into that. Yeah, it seems. Although I would love to see like ghost stuff and and the wolf creatures and like there was always there was also the rumor that it was like in this icy snowy area too. It's like that would be interesting to see Resident Evil Resident Evil Eight in. But mm-hmm. yeah, I do think this based on this person's inside information that it was kind of canceled and rebooted a few months ago or a half a year ago. Yeah, I think that probably lines up. And also that vertical test, that was also something that was rumored last year as well, that they had a vertical uh, slice they wanted to show like Capcom fans. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. So that kind of fits into that too. So it could just be this guy's legit and he knows his stuff, or he just pl- like brought that rumor into his bullshit leak. I mean, who knows? I mean, no way to really know. I It sounds about right to me, though. Yeah. And. Yeah, I think the first-person perspective thing probably changed, but if they're bringing over assets in the reboot, which is pretty common, we'll probably still see the wolf and ghost-type creature stuff. It's possible. I know that... What was it? There was a go- There was a version of Resident Evil 4 that was being developed before the version we ended up getting that was much more similar to Resident Evil 3 with that same kind of style. Yeah, Resident Evil 4 next- was originally a Devil May Cry game, I think. Like I think Devil they May took Cry the engine. I think they took the, the engine. No, I think from, or maybe it was Devil the May Cry they were, was Resident Evil Four, something like that. No, no so they, they took the engine they were working on with Resident Evil Four. That was basically using that um, like fixed camera angles, but then playing with how the camera could pan across and things like that. Um, they ended up taking that and moving it into an action game style for Devil May Cry. But in that original build, there's actually a trailer for this. You can go on YouTube and see it. It, it exists. Like, they showed this off at an, at an event. Um, Resident Evil 4 had Leon's protagonist facing off against this ghost-type creature that chased you around the mansion with a hook hand. But yeah. it had like a very like it was more it was more the style of Resident Evil two and three at the time. So they've done ghost stuff before they never released it. So they might have had some ideas that they just haven't gotten a chance to work with yet. But I think it'd be cool like a ghost type creature chasing me around. Yeah. Along with werewolves. Speaking of maybe not cool, maybe cool, I don't know. Just not cool uh, enough. Atar- <laughs> Atari planning construction of gaming hotels for US locations. So they'll have hotels in 
eight U.S. cities, which would be Phoenix, Austin, Chicago, Denver, Las Vegas, San Francisco, San Jose, and Seattle, which are some good cities to, to be in if this is what you're doing. Um, the statement from CEO... Uh, the CEO of Atari says, We are thrilled to partner with the GSD Group and True North Studio to build the first ever Atari branded hotels across the United States. Together, we'll build a space that will be much more than just a place to stay. Atari is an iconic global brand that resonates with people of all ages, countries, cultures, and ethnic backgrounds, and we cannot wait for our fans and their families to enjoy this new hotel concept. Apparently, it's going to have dedicated areas for gaming for vr and ar setups and then also just like esporting events although autocorrected exporting events that's kind of funny um these would accompany uh more like typical uh hotel offerings such as like a hotel or a blah like a gym or a restaurant or like a movie theater or something like that so that sounds like a cool idea maybe i uh, will see how it kind of pans out yeah. Could be really fucking expensive probably i mean obviously it's atari just trying to grab money more elsewhere um yeah, yeah. I don't know how much is, how much I would care to play Space Invaders or Pac Man or whatever the fuck they own. Still, uh, that does not like going to a hotel themed around that is like that'd be cool to like walk through as part of a tour. But I'm not going to stay there or pay a shit ton of money to to stay at it. Yeah, I also like when I think of going to a hotel, I just think of I'm staying at this hotel just so I can have some place to sleep. And then I go outside the hotel right. to do the cool stuff. And so this idea of a hotel that's got everything I need and I don't have to leave is kind of strange to me. Yeah, why um, is the hotel the destination instead of wherever the city that you're going in? Exactly. Um, Although it could be cool. The like itself. This, the cities it's in, cool. however, like Austin and San Francisco, San Jose, Seattle, like they're very tech-based cities. I mm-hmm. could see this as like, Oh, you're there for a convention, and like you're bored of shit, and you're just there for some kind of work reason. And then finally, when you come back that night, you can be like, "Cool, I'm gonna hang out in the Pac-Man studio, whatever the fuck that is." I don't know. Yeah, and there's some esporting potential there as well. I think that that would be kind of cool to have an area like that dedicated for esport, yeah, sporting events. Um, I mean, obviously, those people who are at the esporting event will probably need a place to sleep, so they got some money coming in that way. So I, it, it works. I get it, but. I don't know if I would personally go. Um, the next story I think is really interesting. Report Valve Index sales more than double amid Half-Life Alex reveal. This is from Kyle Orland at Ars Technica. So there's a tracking firm, much like an N- uh, MPD firm, called Superdata. And they reported that a, the total sales of the uh, the Vive the valve index was 46,000 and then jumped to 103,000. They suggest more could have been sold had valve not sold out completely themselves and then um oculus quest also did really well so they sold three hundred seventeen thousand uh copies during or units during the holiday season and again they had supply constraints they probably could have sold more than that too but what's interesting with the quest is that 705,000 quest units were sold since may which is more than the rift and go combined so clearly that's like where oculus's vr is going to be heading in the future yeah that's what people want yep of course none of this holds a candle to psvr which has five million units sold Ooh, yeah so they're doing really well but that first part though that like right after half-life alex gets announced the valve index sky like sales start to shoot up yeah and it's a hundred percent like constraints that are like that are holding it back because it immediately was sold out everywhere like i bet they were just kicking themselves like damn it 
why couldn't we have made more of these things or waited to <laughs> announce it before we could finally ramp up production? What's cool too about this for for Valve specifically is that it. I think this means that people want to play this the way Valve intended right. this game to be played, which is clearly what the index is going to be doing. So that's a great sign for for Valve, and this is kind of why I'm thinking that if Half Life Alex can meet those that hype, this is going to be a revolutionary game for VR. Yeah. I'm excited to never play it, even though I want to, because I'm never going to own any of these things. But I am excited for it to come out and take the world by storm. I would be floored if it didn't come to PS5 and VR and PS5 specifically. They did did mention that, like, they're they're considering... Right now, they're focused on PC uh, VR, but that Mm -hmm. PSVR is definitely an option. Yeah, I I know that they don't have to necessarily worry about the sales, because they just make so much money off of off of uh, steam that they they could make a risk like this and not make money off of half-life alex yep but when you're looking at psvr having five million units compared to your one hundred and three thousand, it just seems like a no-brainer that you'd have to go for for psvr especially when yeah sure those psvr units are on ps4 which i just can't imagine half-life alex being capable uh of of running on on that system but uh, they're, they're just players who have a PSVR are going to get a PS5. I, uh, those are the people who are shoe-ins for the PS5. Right. So basically, I think it's safe to assume that 5 million units of PSVR will be able to run Half-Life Alex on a PS5. I just feel like they would have to. I feel like they have to make that choice. They have so, to. We'll see. They got to. And the last thing in our quest log. Woo! E3 2020 looks to shake things up following press leaks and repeat Sony absence. Eric Van Allen at US Gamer. So the ESA has teamed up with I Am 8-Bit to, quote, reinvigorate and show and, frankly, shake things up. The statement from ESA says that we will be showcasing E3 to the world through new streaming and digital programming while creating gatherings on the show floor that let people do what they love the most, play and celebrate games. Uh, The statement reads, it advertises surprising... It advertises surprises. What the fuck? I think you're just supposed to say surprise guests, stage appearances, insiders, and experiential zones that delight the senses. It's just that is very oddly phrased. It advertises surprises guests. So it just says surprise guests, but I copy and paste that from the article. That's a typo on the article. Surprise guests, stage experiences, insiders, and experiential zones that delight. Maybe it was supposed to say surprised guests. There will surprised be surprised guests. guests there. Oh my gosh! I didn't <laughs> expect that. Um. Oh my gosh, that something to note thing was supposed to be on the Google article. I don't know why that ended up there. Ugh. Anyway, um, so yeah, this is a good sign for us because we are going to E3. We are. This year. And we were going to go last year, and then I held us back there. And basically, one of the reasons held was, us back in I think school. this year is going to be more exciting. But yeah, this year, and we'll definitely, there will be some Series X there. You know there has to be. Even if it's behind closed doors, oh, we've got to find a way to break in. <laughs> we'll just steal like you know Greg's Miller's pass. Be like, yeah, we're Greg Miller. <laughs> we can get getting kicked out we'll again. Next gen goodness. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this. I I would like to see what E3 is going to turn into because I just E3 is a special place in my heart. Just from loving, like even when I couldn't play games as a kid growing up because I just didn't have like access to them or something like that. Like I loved just seeing what new games were coming out, and E3 was the greatest week ever. I remember like seeing the Twilight Princess footage at E3 for the first time back in like 2000 and f- 
four, five, five, 2005, and it just blew my mind. Loved that so much, and I get to go, and it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting E3. I'm very excited now. Yep. I'm hyped. I just hope tickets don't sell out too quickly. We got to get them. You got to get them. Okay, let's move to our main quest, which I think actually might be a pretty short one. So, China's impact on next-gen consoles continues. Three stories here. I'll go through them pretty quickly. So, Nintendo. uh, The coronavirus will have impact on Nintendo Switch production. They basically said that they've already noticed that there's an impact on the production of Nintendo Switch because of the virus. Um, The coronavirus fears have forced organizers to cancel the Tapai Game Show, uh, which is another thing that's uh, kind of happening as a result of all the turmoil in China right now. Um, and then lastly, the next-gen consoles are already going to cost enough without trade tariffs. So there was kind of talk about the trade tariffs between uh, anything being uh, made in China coming to the U.S. would have a 25% uh, tariff on it coming in, which everyone's worried that's going to impact the next-gen game consoles. That's not a concern anymore right because they're they've, they've taken those tariffs off the table which is a great sign but at the t- same time now we have the coronavirus and like how much is that going to impact the targeted price of playstation 5 and xbox series x i don't know how much it is about price more so than maybe like maybe delaying the launch of these things not by a significant amount probably as they can find alternate suppliers mm-hmm. but tech companies left and right are suspending travel they are shutting down factories and office buildings and retail Mm -hmm. stores all over china right now um yeah and and yes like there there are huge tech companies saying we are actively like 90 something percent of our stuff comes from china we are figuring out right now other resources places we can go and have them kind of pick up the slack but it's going to take a while for them to start ramping that up and and meet the demand that's coming from this sudden halt thanks to this coronavirus I hadn't considered, actually, a, a delay. And I think for me that would be very surprising because it's not just releasing a new phone. It's releasing a new box that is is reliant on software coming out in, in time for that. And if you said, well, we have this this you know uh, this plan for the first year of the PS5 where games are going to come out in this period, and all of a sudden you've got to condense the first three months into a single week or like whatever ends up happening, yep. that could be really bad for some of that software coming out at that time. Kind of like the opposite of the problem that Stadia is having, where they put all of it front-loaded really <laughs> right. quickly, then nothing for a few weeks. It would be way too much in a short period of time. I, that could impact with uh, with, with agreements that they have with, with different developers or third parties. Like I don't know like what, what could happen there. Um, they might try to develop the or manufacture the console outside of china but that might be too late to do that so i think like if anything i don't know if the price would increase because consoles have a history of eating the cost in the beginning right but it could really limit the supply 100 percent. i'm i'm not as convinced that there's going to be really any kind of like software implication because gaming until the last couple of years has never been in china or if it wasn't China, it's only Chinese game console manufacturers and Chinese game companies. So, like, anyone who's making software for these consoles is either doing it in the U.S. or Japan or Europe or things like that. So I'm I'm seeing this more of, like, as a hardware constraint. And this is anyone doing R&D on hardware and things like that are going to be impacted the most coming out of this. 
that's not that's not only what I'm saying though with the software. What I'm saying with the software is is that they'll have agreements with third parties. Like if EA is going to release a game, right, and they know that PS5's already been out. At this, let's say it's supposed to come out in November. Like right now, without coronavirus, it's supposed to come out in November. But then they delay and say, hey, it's actually going to come out in March. Well, EA wanted to have this game come out in February for the PS5. Now they have to delay that PS5 game because it cannot come out in February. Ah, if there's no box gotcha. like for it. And that could really hurt some of those relationships. Not like relationships, but it could really hurt some of the plans that these companies already have. Um, especially, again, like does EA want to release a game? Uh, in that opening week of March, because they can do that, because it's supposed to come out in February. But when they do release in March, now they're competing against all the games that would have come out between November and March. And that's going to hurt like what they would get in return on investment, because now there's an increase in competition between software titles that they couldn't have anticipated that could be really damaging for the beginning of these yeah. of this generation you know now that you say that i because of that i don't think that's something that sony or microsoft would allow to happen if they had a if they had a hardware projection plan like this is going to launch on these dates and other, so many other companies bottom lines are depending on it mm-hmm. i think it's much more likely that we just see an incredibly constrained supply right at launch like along the lines yeah. of the wii like, the Wii was infamous mm-hmm. for the entire first year you could not get your hands on a Wii console. And oh, yeah. that might be the case that we see because of the, depending on how long this epidemic lasts. Yeah. There's and officially been a case, was- by the way, in the Bay Area. There's now one person with coronavirus somewhere within a 30 mile race, radius of me, and I'm now, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> there's someone in Massachusetts now as well. There's, I think there's like eight cases in the U.S. now, mm. something like that. Um, just to um, quell people's fears, there was something called SARS in 2003 that was kind of... So first of all, coronavirus. Coronavirus is actually a very standard term. It just means a series of viruses that come from a specific RNA strand. Um, coronavirus ribonucleic acids. This, yes. <laughs> this specific strain of coronavirus... We've already contended with things that are more serious and more dire. Not that this isn't dire, but like we've been here before and the world has been fine. So like we might even be able to take care of this before like it becomes a huge problem that it would have these kind of impacts. But of course, I'm wouldn't be surprised if Sony and Microsoft are having these discussions with Foxconn or whoever is producing right now. To, to figure this out. Luckily, if they are working with Foxconn, Foxconn has factories in America. They have factories in in Taiwan, although Taiwan's pretty close to China, so that might still be uh, not a yeah. great bet, but it's better than being in mainland. Um, yeah, this is going to be something that's going to unfold over the, over the next few months, over the next year. Um, definitely is going to have an impact. We're just going to have to see what it's going to be. But, yeah, I think the supply constraint is is the most likely. So if you want a PS5, get that moolah ready. Oh, get that moolah like, ready. Get that soon. pre-order as soon as it's announced. Yeah. And don't it's do it through Amazon because they'll fuck you over. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that is all the news stories we have. That was that was a lot. Ooh, that was a lot. And we have got to zoom through this game on Game Show because I've never had to pee more in my entire life. <laughs> Welcome to Game on Game Show, the Game on a Gaming Show where you can play a game called Game on Game Show, Game, 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 Game. Uh, this week we have a returning segment of the one and only video game Would You Rather. Holden, yeah. we've got three scenarios that we have to choose between the lesser of two evils or maybe the better of two Grady's. That's the opposite of evils, is Grady's. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you one 
where they're going to start as they as they normally do with like a tame discussion and then go to weird and crazy. Number one, would you rather that for all of 2020, you either get three non-consecutive months of Xbox Game Pass, and that's all the games you can play, are those three months, they don't have to be back-to-back, of Game Pass, or you only get to play three AAA games on PlayStation 4. So do you want all the offerings of Game Pass for three months, or do you only want to play three big-budget games on PlayStation 4? They don't have to be first-party, but they can be. This is really tough. It is tough. Because like on one hand, you have Game Pass, which is like, oh, cool. I could experiment with different types of games and see some unique stuff. Uh, but then on the other hand, I have like Last of Us Part 2 and Cyberpunk 2077. And Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, like lots of really great games. Resident Evil 3 would be in there. Final Fantasy 7 would be in there. I'd have to pick three, but I feel like I'd have three really good games. Yep. And none of those games are coming to Game Pass. And the exact well, at least probably this year. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be well. The only one that would be eligible would be Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. So <laughs> I'd be amazed if that came because it's like, I guess The Witcher did, but I mean, years after exactly uh, its release. I would I go this one over Chad. What would you? Do? I would go the three AAA AAA games on Play, PlayStation Four, because here's the thing: I've already had Game Pass off and on for the last year and a half-ish, or however long it's been out, I've, I've had it off and on. And I've only played still a handful of games on it. And yes, they do have AAA games that eventually make their way there, and anything Microsoft First Party, which for this year, again, still looks kind of anemic, uh, would be on there. But I think the games that I'm looking forward to playing most this year are Final Fantasy VII, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part Two, Cyberpunk a little bit. Like, those are the things that when I think about video games in 2020, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm not thinking of, man, it'd be nice to play Banjo-Tooie on <laughs> Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> if I were to do it, though, uh, if I were to go the Game Pass route, I would probably do like three months in February to catch up on backlog of all these kind of things that I wanted to do. Maybe three months in June so I get whatever's announced at E3 and then three months like in mm-hmm. November so I can catch whatever all the big stuff that they would have had out for that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three AAA on PlayStation 4, though. That's, that's my route. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Game Pass, and here's why. Yes, I'm going to be upset because I'm going to miss The Last of Us Part 2. I'm going to miss Cyberpunk. I'm going to miss... Red. I'm going to miss these games I'm so excited for. But here's the thing. There are so many games in the backlog of Game Pass that I wouldn't be bored. I wouldn't be upset. And... When I do finally get to play Cyberpunk and, you know, Last of Us Part Two and all these games in 2021, I'll be playing it on a delicious PlayStation 5. Oh, it's going to be so delicious. So delicious that the wait will be worth it. Especially Cyberpunk, where can't wait for that game. And I, I'm so excited for that game. Beyond the mood excited about that game. But a little part of me also says that game could be a little bit of a mess when it first comes yeah. out. <laughs> it might need a little while to, to work the kinks out. Wouldn't be surprising. Considering that delay even more of a reason not to be surprised about that maybe happening so yeah i think i'll actually take the game pass route and then just really enjoy those games in 2021 when they're super polished and running beautifully in 8k 120 frames per second or whatever ends up happening <laughs> next gen consoles with ray tracing and all that shit on your 720 on tv no i have my 4k monitor Matt. oh that's right you got your monitor yeah number two awful television that hurts my eyes and makes them bleed 
<laughs> Number two, would you rather have Charizard wings, but also your butt sets things on fire, or have a Diddy Kong tail that allows you to hang, swing, and par- parkour with amazing agility, but you also have to be dressed like Diddy Kong all day, every day? For reference. I'm not a very... Uh, this is easy for me. I'm not a really big fashion person. Diddy Kong only wears a t-shirt and a hat. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd have. Yeah, I can wear underwear. <laughs> no underwear, no pants, no socks, no shoes, no service. I couldn't buy anything. No. Oh, well, you have a shirt, so you could buy like half of whatever you wanted. That's, yeah, that's how that rule works. But you can be super agile. You can swing. You can parkour. You can hang by your tail. <coughs> you just got to show your dick and butt all the time. And really, his shirt's like a half of a shirt. So also your belly button and below. Now, if I were Diddy Kong, like, just actually, like, it was like I could be Diddy Kong, I would be worried about it, because I wouldn't have any, like, you know, shit flaunting around. No, you just got but, his tail, that's it. Yeah. His tail and his clothes. But then you also have but Charizard. But if I'm Charizard, I'm going to light my butt on fire. Exactly. You can't sit on chairs that are made of wood or cloth. You have to sleep on your stomach in bed. <laughs> <laughs> you can't drive a car, but you wouldn't need to, because you have wings. You can fucking fly. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking about. I think about, like, sitting and standing are two different states. I get tired of one, I do the other. And with Charizard, it'd just be like the two states are standing and flying. Yep, or laying on your stomach. So it's like, I, yeah, so I get tired of one, I just do the other. I'll take that one, I'll do Charizard. Yeah. Well, also yeah. think about this, you could never go to, like, E3, because your butt is a fire hazard, and you can't be packed in a room with 90,000 people, because your butt's going to burn everybody. <laughs> I'll just tell it's cosplay. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch it, though. It's I spent a lot of money making it. Yeah, exactly. Don't touch it. It's expensive. Uh, yeah, I would totally. I would hundred percent do the Charizard wings, and then just like go camping all the time, and you wouldn't need fire starters. You can just sit on a pile of sticks. And plus, I feel like there's a really, really strong chance that if I'm the Diddy Kong with the tail and everything, and, and the, you know the, the pee pee dangling all over the place. <laughs> I, I'd have to, whenever I move, go to everyone's neighborhood and be like, hi, I chose to be Diddy Kong. Now I'm a registered sex offender. I feel like that would ha- likely happen, yep. and I don't want that to happen. That'd be kind of shitty. Our final video game, would you Someone rather? would complain. I want you to start this one. Think about Street Fighter. I want you to close your eyes. I'm not going to close them. Okay, keep your eyes as wide as you can open them. Think I'll about them Street Fighter. <laughs> and I want you to picture Blanca from Street Fighter. I don't know who that is. I'm going to look him up right now. All right, look up. Open your eyes as wide as you can and stare at your phone as you Google Blanca from Street Fighter. Blanca, I think, is B-L-A-N-K-A. He's the green guy, the red hair, electric. He's kind of a beast, like literal beast, not like yep, a dude I in see beast him. mode. Yeah. So you've got Blanca. Yep. Would you rather look like Blanca permanently? You look exactly like him. The crazy-ass red hair that looks like a lion's mane, the green skin, the jaw that makes you look like a fucking, like, literally a beast. Odd hair patches on your body. Yep. Very oddly placed. Yep. But also, about one in every 200 people also look like Blanca. So there's a chance you'll find love that looks just like you. There, it's, you're, not, you're not an anomaly. Like, it's kind yep. of a normal accepted thing. Or, would you rather be would you rather look exactly like yourself but you just have a blanca dick which means that it is a a green throbby wiener 
with permanent red hair around it. And it's the kind that even if you trim it or shave it, it's like Harry Potter. It'll grow back exactly the same just moments later. <laughs> but you're the only person in the world that has this weird, crazy-ass Blanca dick. That's an easy one. I'm going to have the Blanca dick if I'm Blanca anyway, right? Yeah. But it'll like Blanca dicks won't be weird. They're going to be like uncircumcised penises to U.S. people. We're like... They're weird to us, but to everyone else in the world, it's like, oh, that's what a dick looks like. That's fine by me. I'll take that one. So you're going to be Blanca with a Blanca dick, or you with a Blanca dick? Yeah. Blanca with a Blanca dick. All right. I'm going to go me with a Blanca dick. Because I feel like I'm not attracted to Blanca. I'm probably not going to be attracted to women who look like Blanca. And... I feel like people who I'm attracted to are not going to be attracted to me as Blanca. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life lonely, even though that my dick is like 1 in 200. We've got a 1 in 200 dick. Some people are into some freaky shit. Yeah. I know that. But maybe that's not the type of person I want. I'll I'll put it this. This is why I'm thinking I want to be Blanca, right? Okay. Because, like, you're you, right? And no one even knows that Blanca dicks are even a thing. And they, they... you have a great night with this lovely gal. Yep. And you go back to your place. You take your pants off. She sees your Blanca pee-pee. And she goes, <laughs> what the fuck is that? That's fucked up. Uh-uh. And, like, and it's, it's it. It's, just it's tell over. Her, just tell her it's cosplay. It's a tattoo or something. Like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of, but, it's, but, it's, but it can have the ability to become uppercase. So it's not exactly But she also looks cosplay. at it and it is like it is a big throbbing wiener. And she's like, ooh, that's weird. But also that could be exciting. Like that could rock Some my might world. React that way, but like you're running this gamble. Whereas when you're Blanca and you have Blanca dick, it's like yeah, Blanca has Blanca dick. Like there's not like a lot of like surprise there that would like ruin the moment. You're right. I, well, the thing that would ruin the moment for me is that me with a Blanca dick as a Blanca person is fucking a Blanca looking person too. <laughs> I don't want to fuck a Blanca looking person. That's gonna ruin the moment for me. I mean, here's here's the thing though, right? Mm-hmm. If you you grew up as a Blanca, right? In this scenario. <laughs> what a stupid or, word, Blanca. <laughs> you grew up as a Blanca, which means that, like, you're probably going to be attracted to other Blancos because you grew up as a Blanca. Uh, you're, think, you, you're thinking too much of your current state right now. You got to expand your mind and imagine <laughs> the world of Blancas. Like, I'm, I'm a Shrek attracted to Princess What's Her Fuck. And her real form is actually a Shrek princess girl. Fiona. Fiona, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's kind of attracted to the princess, but then whenever she that... becomes the ogre, he's like, oh my god, I want to put my Blanca mm-hmm. dick in you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see it, I see it. However, I do think just me with a Blanca dick, I think is the way to go, because people are going to be like, oh my god, can I ride that? Like, get a girl drunk enough, and she'll be like, oh my god, that's kind of that's kind of like it could be exciting. <laughs> Oh my god! Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't condone that. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to because it's not real. That's been Game on Game Show. The game on our game show. We play a game called Game on a Game Show, and it's a game, 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 game. And that's it for our podcast. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you are listening and you say I like those guys so much that I want to help them prepare for E3, you can do that by going to Patreon.com/slash/respawnaimfire and pledging a dollar or more. That gets you the ability to play with us on game nights, which are normally Thursday nights. The ability to influence what we play each month with our barf game backlog accomplishment with respawn and friends. However, you don't have to be a patron to play along with us. And Holden, what are we playing this month of February? Banjo Kazooie. Banjo motherfucking Kazooie! 
Ginger! That's Banjo Kazooie in a nutshell for you. <laughs> I'm not interested to play this game at all anymore. That's what it is. <laughs> so, yes, if you are playing Banjo Kazooie with us this month, we want to know about it. Whether you are tweeting saying, Hi, I'm playing this. Or whether you're tweeting us your thoughts, DMing us, respawnamefire at gmail.com. Email us your thoughts at the end of the month uh, so that we can read them out and all kind of have a big group asynchronous discussion about it. That would be dope. And then you also get wallpapers. I just put out this month's wallpaper, and I think it's my favorite one since the one that we released where it was like respawning fire with the angular. Oh, fuck my ass. Sorry, I just hit my microphone. (laughs) Since it was the one to fuck my ass, that wallpaper was <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, the wallpaper of the just wallpaper. some dude fucking my ass. That's the best wallpaper yeah. we've ever done. No, with the angled colors says respawning fire. Here's the thing. Dusty. I couldn't think of an E word. Elimination. Dusty Elimination Hill. Even <laughs> after we release a bunch of different wallpapers, you remember the angled one with the colors? Mm-hmm. I was in the car with him and he's. He showed me he was doing something on his phone. I was like, "Oh, dude, nice wallpaper." He's like, "Yeah, I know you've released a lot more, but this is still my favorite one." Guess who was the first one to tweet us that he put this new wallpaper on his phone? Ooh, yep. So it's a dope one. Go to Patreon.com/slash/RespawningFire. You can get that one and all the others we ever released. And now I've got to go pee like a hydrated giraffe. All right, everyone. No, until next time. Giraffes aren't real. That's not a thing. You're right. Like a hydrated robotic giraffe. Until next time. Exactly. Here's our usual sign off. I also, accepted, <laughs> I also would have accepted uh, giraffe-shaped government drones. That also would have been accepted. Yes, or giraffe-shaped sick chicken nuggets. Yes. <laughs> like dinosaurs, Hopefully. but they're giraffes. <laughs> uh, okay, bye, everybody.